Welcome back, everybody. It's Jack Graham and John Peterson again with a new edition of Let's a uh, Week Let's Talk Photo. We talk photo. Be nice <laughs> after hundred hundred or so things that I actually get the title right. But I'm under the influence of uh, medication today. I had an eye doctor appointment, and so I mean I have an excuse. But it's We Talk Photo, and uh, we appreciate your time and coming back uh, today and. You know, it's not often enough, but it's usually at least once or twice a year. We have one of my um, my my really good friends and uh, just a great human being um, and, and a great person, Guy Tallow, is with us today. I don't think Guy needs a whole lot of introduction, so no. we're not going to go. Well, Guy, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> it's like that's like wearing one of those, you know, hello, my name is badges, you know. Those of you who don't, I just leave it at this. Those of you who don't know Guy, you better learn because um, he is a—he's at the top of the food chain here in in our photography world, and it's an honor to have you here today. And Guy, thank you for being here. No, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we're just very formal here, as you know from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we have converted finally from Skype to Zoom so we can see each other. And one of these days, uh, I don't know when we talked about maybe even doing a We Talk photo YouTube channel, but so is, you know, 10 million other people these days doing YouTube channels. Like it's a crowded area. Um, guys got uh, a new book we're going to talk about. And then, you know, we haven't come up with a topic yet. And I, I said to the guy before this, I said, Lou, just, you know, whatever's on your mind. And, and, uh, and I'm sure we'll come up with something, uh, something good to, to, to do here, um, in the, uh, in the, uh, on, on the podcast here. Guy, the interior landscape. Am I correct? Yes. That's sir. the title of Guy's new book. I know it's available on Kindle already yes. correct yes and uh why don't you so we don't be redundant just go ahead and tell everybody about it uh sure uh just all the electronic versions for kindle and pdf all of them are available directly from the publisher from rockynook.com so if you buy it directly from them you get three different versions of it if you want it electronically the uh the print version right now is slated for december 6th i think um yeah, so this is uh, going to be my third book of essays, and so some of you may have read my previous books, uh, More Than a Rock and Another Day Not Wasted, so you might be familiar with the format. And I thought that wrapping it up with as a nice trilogy of books would be nice. And it's just like the, the other books. It's an anthology of essays that I've written over the years that then I've, I took and re-edited and, and revamped and made made uh, a little more informative, a little cleaner, uh, and, and so, so I can publish them in book format. Um, and, uh, you know, each book has a general theme, but of course, because it's a collection of a lot of different articles, some of them touch on all kinds of different topics within those themes. So for the interior landscape for this next book, the, the main theme is, is trying to draw a, a sharper distinction in photography between mimetic photography, which is photography that's aimed at representing appearances as a person, as is, as a random person would see them, versus expressive photography, which is photography that's aimed at relaying emotions and personal meaning and not just appearances. Uh, so using appearances of things in the world in order to convey uh, inner meaning. And for me, that's been my great passion in photography uh, for at least 20 plus years now is to find ways of expressing meaning in photography beyond just here's something that I saw or here's something pretty or here's something that's interesting in its own right. Uh, so that's the general theme. Uh, and maybe, you know, instead of belaboring it, uh, what I would like to do, if it's okay with you, is I would like to read the introduction, which explains where the title comes from, which I absolutely I, for sure. I borrowed it from, uh, from a writer named Barry Lopez. Uh, let me bring that up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so this is the introduction for the book. In his book, Crossing Open Ground, the late writer Barry Lopez distinguished between two landscapes, the exterior landscape, which he described as the one we see, and the interior landscape, which he described as a kind of projection within a person of a part of the exterior landscape. 
Each landscape has its own elements and relationships, but the two also interrelate. Lopez, Lopez explained, the interior landscape responds to the character and subtlety of an exterior landscape. The shape of the individual mind is affected by land as it is by genes. The term landscape photography may be used to describe photographs of the exterior landscape, the one we see. The term may also be used to describe expressive photographs reflecting the interior landscape, the one each of us carries within. Each person's interior landscape is unique and largely invisible to the eye. Still, if we know something about the ways one's interior landscape may be affected by elements of the exterior landscape, we may use these elements to express our own interior landscapes and to affect other people's interior landscapes. Such is the purpose of landscape photography practice as expressive art. Photographic artists aiming to express subjective notions, aspects of their interior landscape in their work, often find themselves at odds with those who, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary, still believe that quote-unquote true photography consists only of objective representations of the exterior landscape. What is truth? asked Friedrich Nietzsche. He then answered his own question, a sum of human relations which have been poetically and rhetorically intensified, transferred, and embellished, and which, after long usage, seem to people to be fixed, canonical, and binding. Truths are illusions which we have forgotten are illusions. Truthfulness is not a quality imposed by any medium. It is a quality of information relative to context. Just as information exists in many forms and may assume different meanings in different contexts, so too does truth come in many varieties. There is objective truth and subjective truth. There is truth to appearances and truth to feelings. There is literal truth and metaphorical truth. The truth of art is not necessarily the truth of nature, just as the truth of a metaphor is not necessarily the truth of its words taken literally. Being literal or metaphorical, in turn, is not a measure of the value or greatness of the truth expressed. However, failing to account for the distinction, treating literal truth as metaphor or metaphorical truth as literal, may lead to great errors and misunderstanding. This is what Johann Wolfgang von Goethe meant when he wrote, The genuine law-giving artist strives for the truth of art. The lawless artist who follows a blind impulse strives for the reality of nature. Through the former, art reaches its highest summit. Through the latter, its lowest stage. As an avid naturalist and outdoorsman, I began my journey in photography more than three decades ago, striving to document the exterior landscape, the truth of nature, believing that no form of beauty can improve upon natural aesthetics. Today, I am an expressive artist, striving to express my own internal landscape, the truth of art. I still believe that natural aesthetics cannot be improved upon. What I was lacking in my earlier years, the linchpin connecting my love of natural beauty with qualities of my inner experiences, was an understanding of art and an understanding that the truth of art is not in contradiction with the truth of nature. Art, wrote Paul Cezanne, is a harmony parallel to nature. Laszlo Moholy Naj proclaimed, the illiterate of the future will be the person ignorant of the use of the camera as well as the pen. To, the to be photographically literate means, among other things, to recognize that some photographs are intended as reportage, others as art. Some photographs are meant as objective illustrations, others as subjective expressions. Some photographs are best understood literally, others metaphorically. Some photographs aim to portray the truth of the exterior landscape, others the truth of the photographer's interior landscape. In this collection of essays, I hope to help readers consider landscape photography as art, as expressions of a photographer's interior landscape, distinct from landscape photography as objective representations of the exterior landscape. Wow. So that was the introduction. So I haven't obviously seen the book yet. I'm going to fix that here later today. <laughs> but... Do you do you take I mean one do you take images and talk about them or uh, do you talk about aspects more than um, saying well here's this image and here's why it does what it does yeah no there, there is no reference to specific images or anything technical it's more philosophical discussions about how to approach and uh so the book like i said the general theme is to distinguish expressive photography from mimetic photography from photography that just represents appearances that's, as that's, but then, that's 
Yeah, but then the book uh, is divided into four sections. It's a, a very similar format to the previous two books because I wanted them to be a nice set. Uh, so it has four sections. The first section uh, talks about creativity and expression. The second section talks specifically about photography as uh, practice as art. Uh, the third one is about how to express aspects of experience. And the last one is just descriptions of some experiences that have been meaningful to me just to illustrate how I put these, uh, these concepts into practice. Hmm. So, so kind of adding on a little bit, guy, to what to what Jack was asking, or maybe ask it in a different way. Do you help people try to unlock or see within themselves um, how to transition uh, to being an expressive photographer? That's what I strive to do, both in my writings and in my workshops, is I try to get people to, you know, even even if they are completely sold on the idea of mimetic and representational photographers, photography, I, I generally ask them to just set that aside, even just temporarily, just to try to experience and to understand a different way of thinking about photography. And for a lot of people, that clicks. And for some people, they just... It like. doesn't. I, I know that can be hard for some because it, it's almost delving into psychology a little bit because people, oh, a lot, people yes. have to look within themselves to become, I, I think, an expressive photographer. And a lot of people are afraid to look in themselves. Well, well, there, there's two parts to that. I mean, first of yeah. all, I don't want it to come across as a value judgment. I mean, obviously, no. mimetic photography, documentary photography is extremely, extremely important. That is one of the most important uses for photography that there is. Uh, you know, documentary photographs have toppled regimes and then caused revolutions. It's a very, very important form of photography. Uh, and certainly, there are people that specialize in it and love it and get a lot of value from it. And they don't, they won't necessarily benefit from the expressive part. For me, I think the greater challenge is to introduce people to the idea that photography is not just one thing, that there, there are different ways to practice photography, and the one that's right for you is not necessarily the one that's right for others. Yeah, agreed, yeah. agreed. I find the hardest people to deal with, you know, and we all see a fair amount of people on our workshops and run into even, even people who don't do our workshops that we know that have been owning cameras for many years a lot of a lot of these folks um still they they think they're quote artists or they're making artistic images but they're not and oh. and you can't and i mean it's sometimes it's really hard to yeah, but... you don't want to make people feel that they're less than they want to feel that they are you know, if someone would ask me, are you an artist? I'd say sometimes. Yeah, but, but here again, we get into this trap of thinking that art is just one thing and something is either art or not art. If you open a dictionary, you will find seven or eight different definitions for art, and some of them might fit some styles and some others. Uh, for me, it really comes down to not so much to the nitty-gritty of, yeah, by definition, number three in the dictionary, what I do is art. For me, it's about does is it meaningful to you does making it does doing it engaging in it does that enrich your life does that elevate your life does that help you contribute something to the world that is meaningful and important to you everything else you know definitions can be can be fluid they, they can be ambiguous so if you open the definition and you tell me you're an artist i'll tell you okay out of these seven or eight definitions which one is the one that applies to you and it might necessarily not necessarily be the one that applies to me so just saying it is art or not art i, I don't think it's a very meaningful no. distinction yeah. Uh, our art, the word art uh, comes from, from a Latin root, from the same root as artificial, as something that is made by people as opposed to something that happens naturally or randomly. Uh, and so anything that is created by a human being could fit some definition of art. Doesn't necessarily make it expressive art, doesn't necessarily make it good art, doesn't necessarily make it any other kind of art. Uh, so if you're going to say art, then be more specific about what it means to you and how that plays into how you practice your photography. Or yeah, it's, a, it's a word that's thrown around and not really addressed. And sounds like this is a, a good way to. It is. I, you know, I almost prefer the, the term, you know, you, that you have been talking about, guy, expressive photography versus romantic. And, and I was, as you guys were talking, I was thinking back through my catalog, and, and some of my images are, are documentary photographs, they're just nice, they're pretty, you know, they document the scene. And then others 
part of it is the baggage that I bring along as the creator of it, but I imbued a lot of my own emotion and feelings and, and consideration into it. And it's to me very much, I view those as, as my expressive images and, mm -hmm. and instead of artistic, I, I, love that word expressive more so yeah. than artistic because some of my photographs have emotion and some of them don't and and i'm fine with both ways yeah and, and if any listeners want to delve deeper into that i, I just recently wrote an article for uh, for Lenswork magazine uh and i found some very good information in a in a book called art in the brain of the beholder uh and it was written by a, a man named arthur shimamura he's unfortunately passed away now he got a, a guggenheim fellowship uh specifically to research aesthetic experience and uh in that book he differentiates between four different kinds of art and one of them is mimetic art one of them is mimetic art pretty much is intended to represent appearances as is then there's expressive art which is art that's meant to convey emotions and feelings then he talks about formalist art which is art that relies on just the raw emotions that are associated with visual elements so for example the feelings that you get from certain colors or certain lines or certain shapes uh, so the image itself might be completely abstract and it's all about the sensations that come from the the visual elements themselves and then finally he talks about conceptual art which is art that tries to tell a story or to ask a question to to make you think about something and doesn't necessarily tell you what it is you need to think about. So conceptual art a lot of times is about exploring the role of art itself where you look at something and you ask yourself, well, is it even art? You know, what is it trying to tell me? What can I learn based from that? And sometimes the meaning comes almost entirely from the viewer and not from the artist. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to think about art. And I think that's a very useful way to think about it because then you can look at a piece of art and you can say, okay, this is expressive art. It makes me feel something or this is, you know, abstract conceptual art or abstract formalist art and i'm just gonna enjoy whatever feelings i get from just these arrangement of abstract shape you know if you look at a kandinsky painting or something or, or you know rothko painting that's exactly what they're aiming to do is just give you that raw sensation that comes from colors and shapes and compositions of things that don't necessarily have any literal identity to them and there's a lot of that you know i, I was <clears throat> doing a, a workshop recently and Someone put an image up of uh, of something that I've seen a million times, and, and I thought back again to one of the articles you wrote in Lenswork uh, a few months back about how how we react to things that we've either photographed already, and you know I, I basically said, listen, I've seen this thing so many times, so in my mind I know how I like it, and it may not be. It may not be the way you like it. There's no right or wrong here, you know. And uh, I think when it comes to, you know, again, John hit it, hit it on the on, on the on the on the head. You know, the word art is really kind of it's just thrown around a lot. And you know, expressive creativity is probably probably a better way to define it but well it's more specific it's more descriptive of what you what you are trying to accomplish and what you hope your art how you hope your art would affect your viewers well i told these people i said you know i i, I can tell you if this thing's exposed right and, and if it's sharp you know but I, i'm going to leave it up to you folks to, to talk about this image because i in my mind i've seen this a million times and it would be unfair for me to I'll give you an opinion, but it would be unfair for me to say this is the way I think it is, and there's no, no, uh, no way it could be done differently. And so I, I opened it up, and everybody, everybody had a different viewpoint and a different reaction. Yeah, I'll tell you what, one of the most satisfying things to me. So uh, on, on the workshops that I conduct with, with Michael Gordon, we, we try to address this up front. So, uh, I mean, people obviously are free to photograph whatever they want. And, you know, you put people in front of, you know, a huge view like Zabriskie Point, they're going to photograph Manly Beacon. But um, at the same time, we tell them, well, when we get to the end of the workshop, we want to see your expressive photographs. If you want to take home your beautiful sunrise photograph and do whatever you want with it, that's fine. But that's not the purpose of this workshop. 
uh, what we want to see or what we want you to think about on this workshop is what you can express or what you can do that is creative and original. And one of the most satisfying things to me on every workshop that I've had for the last, I don't know, at least decade is at the end of the workshop, we see people putting up their their, their photographs on the projector. And I'm just blown away. You know, it doesn't even matter what level you are coming in. When you urge people to think creatively and when you tell them, you know, at the end, I want you to show me something that's unique. The things that I'm seeing are things that I, I would never have thought to make myself, things that Absolutely. other people didn't make. Just these expressions of creativity, that is just so satisfying. And I believe that it's extremely satisfying to the people too, where, you know, they put it up on the screen and there's oohs and ahs. It's like, wow, I didn't even see this. Yeah. We were standing shoulder well, I'm gonna tell you, If you have 10 people, if you have 10 people at the beginning, seven out of 10 people are going to be there to get the, 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 the sunrise hitting the top of the beacon and, and what have you. And, and that's what they're going to want. But if you do, I know you do it guy, obviously, and, and, and you know, we try to do it as well. Um, it, it can be done. It's just, people have to start uh, opening their mind and, and accepting it'll be more interior yeah absolutely yeah. And, and what i find uh, is sometimes it's difficult to get people to let go of this notion that hey there's only so many places to go and only so many things to photograph and so we don't really have a choice we have to do the same things that that's i, I mean i personally am proof that that's not true right i work in one of the most widely photographed places on earth and I constantly find new ways to photo, to photograph it. And I've been doing this for more than 20 years, and I still yeah. find things that have not been photographed and new ways to photograph things. That is absolutely not true. I mean, especially here in the Western U.S., we are so fortunate. We have millions and millions of acres of scenic public lands. You pick any, you pick any you know, fraction of an acre of scenic public lands, and you can create an entire book there right of beautiful things that have never been photographed before so this if you, if you go to the same places that everybody else goes and if you have in your mind the same photographs that you've seen from other people then yeah you are essentially clipping your own wings you are limiting yourself why would you do that yeah well i think the other thing too the the, the thought that came up guy when you were talking about people th uh, putting up their expressive photographs was that's really a a signal to their inner voice. I mean, that's, you know, there's all these people that have written about how to find your style and your artistic voice and yada, yada, yada. Um, and it's, it's gotten a little cliche, but, but I've found that, that when you really let go of iconic and classic photographs and all that stuff that you should be doing and photograph those things that interest you and that, mm -hmm. that um, allow you to express whatever you're feeling at the time that's a lot of where where people's inner voice is and and if yep. artists would start to look at that and really respond to that they can feel more uh, let's call it confident in their own artistic style and, and what it is that moves them yep and and what i found is that uh you know especially these days i think that the 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 peer pressure and social aspect plays a huge role in that yeah. and that's why i like doing it in a workshop environment because i have an opportunity to tell them okay i'm not just asking you to go off and do your own thing everybody in the group is going to be doing this you don't have to feel under any pressure you know you can give yourself permission to go out and experiment and we don't care how successful you are we just want you engaged in this process in this way of thinking we want you to explain what it is you're trying to do and maybe it'll work maybe it doesn't work it doesn't work today it might work tomorrow it might failed you know 10 times and the 11th time you'll have a masterpiece but the point is your experience as a person as a creator as an artist is so much richer when you take the time to think and to contemplate and to experiment and to try new things and to think about well, what can i express with this how am i feeling now and how is that connected with the landscape that's in front of me and when you're just one in a group and everybody else is photographing the same iconic shots, you, you might feel, you know, like an outsider. But if we set the tone that, okay, this is what we expect all of you to be doing, go off and explore. I think people feel like they have permission to, to do that. And I think people need that, that, that prompting to, it's okay to let go of the usual way that, that you do things uh, and to try something new. And then you're not alone. This is what everybody is here for. Well, I think people have to learn also to 
to look 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 inside their own look inside themselves and sometimes <clears throat> that's hard because it can be painful yeah uh, it can be painful and it's not a way that we're we're used to no, going about no. life and and i think most people just just go by by inertia you know this is how i go about doing my job right it's all about productivity and efficiency and then getting the most widgets cut <laughs> in x amount of time and, and to avoid but art, art is a completely different mindset you can set that mindset aside and it's like okay you can work all day long and if at the end of the day even if you were completely unsuccessful in doing what you set out to accomplish, you would still be a better person at the end of the day. You would have had a very wonderful experience. You know, looking inside yourself and saying, you know, I need to, I need to be a little more broad based and, and get out of all it. Again, you know, um, a lot of people, they come home and they take an image and they immediately put it up online somewhere waiting for the gratification. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Uh, there was a, a, a French thinker critic named Roland Barthes. You might've heard of him. He, he wrote a book called camera lucida. Uh, he was a very deep thinker. So his, his writing is, is fairly complex, but it, he, he had some very good observations. Uh, and he was also a critic of writing and he differentiated writing in a way that I think is also applicable to photographs. Cause he said, some pieces of writing are readerly and some are writerly. Uh, he, he used the terms lisible and scriptable, but readerly and writerly, I think, are more descriptive. And he said, some texts are readable, and the, the readable texts are texts that you don't have to think too hard, where the meaning is very clear. They can be extremely enjoyable. You know, you go into a bookstore at the airport, you just want something to read on a plane. Those books at the store, those little soft covers, they are probably readerly books, right? They're engaging, they're interesting, but you don't have to think very deeply. You just have to get into the story and it's pretty obvious what's happening. And then you have writerly texts, and those are texts that force you to think if you really want to get the meaning, if you think like a James Joyce novel or something like that, or, you know, reading you know, a book by Immanuel Kant or something that you have to really work hard to try to figure out what it is they're trying to do and the complexity of, of the story and their ideas. Uh, so you have to invest a lot of your own cognitive energy just trying to figure out what the text means. So the upside is a, a writerly text at, at least has the potential to, to deliver a much deeper and more complex reading experience. But the downside or not the downside is that it requires you to invest a lot of efforts in trying to figure out what it is. And I think the same applies to photographs. You know, some photographs are readerly. It's just it's very obvious what the photograph is about and they can be very enjoyable, very popular, very satisfying. And some photographs fall into that writerly category where you look at the photograph and if you really want to get the value from it, you just have to go, hmm. What are they trying to tell me? What what is it that I'm looking at? What am I supposed to feel? And then you start getting you start building that story in your mind, uh, and you spend time with that photograph, and you explore it, and you research it, and then and, and you, you try to assimilate the meaning of it, and you might get a much richer experience. But it requires you to invest time, and I think this is where social media has really you know put put a put a, a foot on the scale uh, in favor of the readerly because when you put something on social media, you generally uh, you have a fraction of a second of attention from your viewer. You have to grab them instantly and they instantly have to know what the photograph is about. You have to give them something epic or interesting or, or obvious and if you put any text on it, it's just one sentence or one paragraph. And so those uh, those writerly, the, those deeper, more complex photographs just don't get any attention and actually the algorithms actively uh, make make sure that people don't see those uh, so that that is i think is a very big challenge for photography and you know in a, in a greater sense for for society well, I, I think taking that a step further i think we're getting a little further away from photography for this comment but i think that's having an impact on our society and and i hate to say dumbing down our society but when we get when we get bombarded with readerly stuff and we're trained not to put in effort, yep. we, when we're presented with something that we have to put in some effort, we don't because we're either a lazy or B trained to not do it. And I think that hampers the rest of our life. Um, 
you know, we, we miss richer experiences that way. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a saying, it's attributed to Einstein, but it's, it's not exactly the way he said it, but I think it's more pithy in the, in the way he didn't say it. As, uh, it goes something like, uh, everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler than that. Um, so in other words, there's some things that you just can't simplify beyond a certain level without completely losing their meaning. And I think people are becoming trained to to just absorb content passively and not engage actively. Uh, and I think that that, that can cause a, a, that that will have a very severe long term ramification. Yeah, it's GPSs instead of maps and uh and it's Google, and it's uh, you want to learn. You can go to YouTube University and pretty much find uh, information. And people say, "Well, I learned that on YouTube." You didn't learn anything. You absorbed direction. Yeah, you watch something. You still don't know how to do it. Yeah, but you know, on the side, uh, on the the other side of the coin is there actually is a lot of very useful information online and on YouTube. The problem is that there is such an overwhelming amount of it that it becomes really difficult to distinguish the the the, the good stuff from from the fluff. What John said, you have to put the effort in. You have to put a little bit more. You know, I I listen I listen to my favorite one one of my favorite pianists is Keith Jarrett, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the guy, you, I don't know if you got that book I, I recommended to you, the Jared book. Yeah. You know, I, that book sits next to my chair. And when I listened to Keith Jarrett, I, I opened that book to where he, there was writing about what was going on in his life when he made this recording. It's, it's pretty deep music sometimes and to understand what he was going through during that period or what just, it, it just opens up a whole new world of, to hear what, what notes are being played and how they're being played. And, you know, you can kind of, you feel what he was feeling during that period. Cause there's a lot of, uh, a lot of specific information there that we, Resounds. Re, re, re yeah, and for me, yeah, for me, one of the things they talk about Keith Jarrett. Uh, one of the things that I believe uh, that he said that I believe is extremely clever is that you you can only get so far by learning things. There are some things that you just have to practice over and over and actually do over and over again for a long, long time and try and fail before you're actually good. Uh, actually, if you heard me clicking in the background, I was actually looking for for the quote from him. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to read this. Uh, it's on the NEA. Uh, exactly. That's from his speech at the NEA. I actually show the first 10 minutes of that yeah. where he starts talking in all my workshops. Yeah. So anyway, here's what he says. He says, music is not something that you can use words to describe. Music is either in the air and you find it or it is in the air and you don't find it. But you just don't try hard enough. You can be educated to play the piano. You can be educated about chords. You can be educated about scales. You can be educated about everything there is to do with music. And you are still zero until you let go of what holds you back. So what's funny way. is when he said that, he was talking to a bunch of educators. Yeah. <laughs> And and they were waiting for this big, you know, twenty minute speech on how you have to learn this and learn that. And he basically okay. said he took the papers, he held them up and he said, I don't need these. Yep. And this is really the, the downside of a lot of these, uh, you know, online tutorials and things like that is they give you information, but you have to then take that information and put in your contribution, your creativity to make something meaningful from it. And yeah. that is a much harder part. And that's something that nobody can tell you how to do something that only you can do. Or that Break like, away from copying, break away from imitating. Yeah. You know, uh, Charles Mingus was, I was talking on another podcast, wrote a bunch of tunes with some really great titles. And one of them was, uh, if uh, if Charlie Parker was a gunslinger, there'd be a whole lot of dead copycats. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, it's very true. It's, you know, we, yeah, and you know, a lot of a lot of great artists talked about talked about this, and it, it's. I know that I I harp on this a lot, and I know that it upsets some people. But one of the missions of my life is to try to encourage people to try to do original, creative things. Uh, and it's amazing how difficult it is because it's so much safer to just go and get the the guaranteed 
shot or to oh, just yeah. say the guaranteed yeah. thing. And uh, but yeah, if if you want to be creative, you're going to have to accept risks. You're going to have to accept failure. You're going to have to accept that not everybody will understand what you're doing. You might have to accept that maybe nobody will like what you do until after you're dead. But the immediate reward that you get from having created, from just being engaged in a creative process, in a creative way of thinking, that that's going to make your life better. And and no matter what the downsides are, I think that trumps everything else. Yeah, very enriching. Yeah, just photography. It's anything. It could be making birdhouses. It's all. uh, It's all there. Yeah, but kind of coming coming back around though. I mean, it's for those people that want to be creative, expressive photographers. It it takes work. I mean, it's not a passive activity like rolling into an icon and putting your tripod down where there's thousands of other tripod holes and snapping right, but, a picture. But it's not it's not cookie cutter work. It, it's no. not not it's rewarding, engaging, you know, self- enriching enriching work right yeah. so you, you gain from doing the work it's not just work that you have to do because you have to you know earn a earn a few dollars for for making something it's something that actually rewards you just by virtue of being engaged in it oh for sure for sure and and it's 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 you know going back and harping on it it's it's a lot of introspection and self-reflection as well Absolutely. You know, I find myself being drawn to pattern shapes, textures, and colors. Even though I'm, 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 if I was to describe myself to somebody, I'm a sort of a nature and a landscape photographer. But, but really, I respond to any pattern shapes, texture, and colors. I don't care what the subject is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were these fish grates that I was working on this image of just these repeating patterns. And to me, that was very beautiful. And, and well, that is the subject. Time. It's uh, that feeling that you get. That is the subject. It's not the thing in front of the lens. It's, it's the thing the that thing. you're trying to convey through the thing that's in front of the lens. Yeah, and yeah. that is expressive photography. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, well and we're going to be in Alaska in, in a month. Three weeks. We're going to be hanging around with a bunch of bears. So I want to see how creative you get. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a great creative, expressive photograph of the bears. I'll send up to yeah. you after this. You know, you know what's the funny thing is that we go up there, you know, and and um, you know it. I, I mean, it, it, to me, I, I don't. I mean, I'll take a, I'll take images like everybody else, but it, 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 I just like being there. I like I, the experience. Yeah, I mean the. Uh, the scenery, the location, and just watching these bears, what they do and how they live and how they've adapted. And I mean, it's, it, that's more fun than taking a photograph anymore. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use this as an opportunity for some shameless promotion. I just wrote a blog post exactly about that, where I wrote that some photographers are experience-first photographers and some photographers are photograph-first photographers. And I am definitely in the experience-first. So when yeah. I create a photograph, is it, it's as a, res, in, as a response to experience. It's not just I'm going out to make a photograph and whatever the experience is, I'm just going to deal with it. I'm going out hoping for a good experience and if that experience happens to be conducive to photograph then i will make a photograph yep yep and i I think as photographers jack as you were talking to it made me think that you know photography for me is an excuse to go out and have experiences you know it kind of gives a purpose other than just being out um, and i may come back with some with some interesting photographs but yeah i mean having uh having an experience i think just enriches the whole creative uh, creation process for me. Well, it enriches you as a person. It enriches your life. It's much bigger than just photography. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We, we, uh, we've forgotten a couple times, but you know, I always like to ask people, maybe we we could ask you the guy this, but at the end of our podcast, we ask him for a couple things that um, were that, 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 stick out as great experiences during your photographic life and surprisingly um a lot more more time than you'd think the experiences have nothing to do with the photograph uh i i would say for me that would be the majority of the cases i mean when i think of what the most meaningful experience that i've had on in the last month 
sitting on a rock listening to the wind, right? And I, I don't have a photograph that expresses that. But to me, that was more meaningful just as an immediate memory right now than any photograph that I've made in the last month. I so, grew up yeah. a long time ago in Napa. We, we were up in the Napa Valley, and it had just rained. And I stopped the car, and people said, what are you stopping here for? I said, get out. I said, I want you to do something. When I got out of the car, and I said, what do you smell? Mm -hmm. I said, nothing. I said, smell that. It's dirt. It's wet dirt. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And they looked at me like I was crazy, which I probably am sometimes. But, yeah. um, you know. It, it, there's good crazy, and there's bad crazy. Uh, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kid around about it, but I'm really serious. One of the top three experiences in my life, it, it was more than one time. It was, it was guys when you and I sat, would sit up till midnight or later listening to jazz and talking about life uh, we talked very little about photography and, yeah. Yeah. and those nights man I, I mean it was uh, it was just amazing you know right and you know and 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 even if you know that you have to get up for the sunrise or work hard the next day it's just some things are just worth it you know it's some things are worth suffering for right yeah you stay up because you have a good conversation then it's worth staying up i mean life, life is a journey and it's about all these moments along the way that string together into making a great life and and if you don't take advantage of those moments along the way then uh yeah. you know maybe you won't have as rich a life yeah so what's yeah. what, what what uh <laughs> I, I know what's in your future guy but you're you're going to be uh, doing a little more traveling, from what I'm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I already spend probably more than half my time outside. I'm just going to be doing it more comfortably, I guess, in, in a new camper. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I for me, uh, yeah, it, it's odd for me sometimes. You know, you hear some photographers say, "Well, we only spend a few days outdoors, and then the rest of it is all online work or, or other things." And for me, if I could only spend, you know, a couple of weeks outdoors a year, I would I would wither and die. I mean, I, I chose this life specifically so I could spend a lot of my time outside. And that's that's my goal is the more time I can spend outside, the more I want to. How is uh, how is the, 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 the I mean, I haven't been to Tory now in a few years. Has it gotten crazy crowded down yeah. there? Oh, oh, absolutely! Yeah, everywhere now has has gotten. Yeah, it's definitely gotten a lot busier. Hmm. So we, we, you, you, but I have to tell you, I guarantee you that you're still finding places probably where maybe maybe no one's ever been before. Oh, for sure. I mean, for me, I mean, that's one wonderful thing about here. We're right next door to a national park, uh, and that's the main tourist attraction. Uh, but there's millions of acres of BLM and Forest Service lands all the way around. And if you know your way around them, you can very, very easily find beautiful, quiet places to work in. Do you, do you have uh, any plans? I know that once one book is done... A lot of people already are starting on a new project. Do you have a uh, a new uh, a new? Uh, yeah, I'm actually in a kind of an awkward position because I've actually started two new projects, and I'm not really sure which one I want to focus all my attention on. At some point, I think one of them will will call out to me louder than the other, and I'll just end up focusing all my attention on it. But right now, there's a couple of things that call out to me. Uh, like I said, I wanted to create this trilogy of, of essay books because those are things that I've written and published and then thought about a lot more and refined. And I just want to make sure that they don't just get lost, you know, in the the bottomless pit of the internet. So so I want to put them in book form and in a, in a more dignified uh, format. Uh, so so I think with three in this series, that, that's, that's a pretty nice accomplishment. And I, I have enough material right now to do a fourth, but I'm not really sure that that's what I want to do right away. I might do it again in the future, but there's a lot of other things that call out to me and they don't necessarily are directly related to photography. And, you know, they always say, don't, don't, don't tell people what you plan to do. Only tell them after you've actually done it. Cause then you yeah. kind of 
pigeonhole yourself. So I, I don't want to I don't want to say too much about it. But it's it's some different forms of creative writing that have been on my mind for for years now. That I always oh someday I'm going to do that. And you know that that's sort of been my the story of my life is you know someday 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 and then you realize you know that someday is not going to come by itself. Yeah, so right. so right. someday is today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know what you're doing. I, I'm just going to tell everybody. Guy's doing a book on the, on where he lives with photographs, GPS coordinates, how to get there. Um, but no. everything you need to know to take, in fact, you could just photograph his images and then re-process re, re, uh, re, uh, them in software and man, you're going to have great stuff. No, because actually, I'm, I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you a QR code that you can just feed into your AI program and it will just create the pictures for you. So feed them into the GPS so you yeah. can drive right well, to the spot. I had a great idea though too, guys. As, as you were reading the introduction to your book, I was thinking you should do that in an audio book. You know, I actually asked the publisher about that. And, uh, you know, it's, it always sounds better in theory than in practice. But, Probably. you know, in practice, uh, Audible, which is owned by Amazon, is pretty much doing to audiobooks what Amazon did to brick-and-mortar oh. bookstores. It's 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 not at all profitable. Uh, they, they pretty much uh, took took the uh, the profitability out of it. And so it almost doesn't make sense cause, uh, to, to produce that. Uh, so you could oh. go through Audible and, you know, you get pittance for it. But, unfortunately, that's uh, – that's not a, a financially viable uh, endeavor, and you know, being a, a essentially a one-person business, I, I have to be careful about how I how I use my time. Um, mm -hmm. so unfortunately, that all right, scratch that out. idea. Well, you know, I would love to do it. It's just, uh, yeah. You know, it's funny, guy. Life, life, everything goes around. That's why. That's why I play nine innings. You know, and and uh, you know, my wife and her work is involved with. Uh, companies that sell to Amazon, and I know a lot of people who do similar things. And there are a lot of companies now that are stopping their business with Amazon because of the profitability and what they're doing to to their product. And uh, you never know, you know, you, like there's a lot of uh, a lot of stores and chains that have gone away that we never thought would go away, and you, you never know, like. Well, you know the the Stoics say you, you can't control what happens. You can only control how you yeah. respond to it, how you react to it. And so it is what it is. You know, you can gripe about it, but uh, at the end of the day, I think all of us, I'm sure most people listening, are when you when you take account of what we have, where we live, the the freedoms that we have, we should, all, we should all be extremely, extremely, extremely grateful yeah. for all yeah. for all the difficulties that we have in life. Uh, yeah. we, we, we we got to be human beings at a time and a place in history that very, very few have been so fortunate. Yeah, I mean, I could, we paid. I paid nine dollars and fifty cents for a gallon, of, the equivalent gallon of diesel in Iceland seven years ago. Yeah. Of course. So, Guy, do you have any uh, do you have any workshops on the on the horizon? Uh, I do, and uh, you know, it's probably a blessing and a curse that uh, we do. We we actually upped Michael and I. We actually upped our number of workshops to four next year, and they're all full. The, the earliest opening that we have is December of twenty three. Wow! Uh, so they they fill up pretty quickly. Congratulations! Um, That's great. Well, so yeah, I mean, it, it it always it always hurts me when people write say, "Well, I really want to join you," and it's like. Yeah, I can only do so many. Yeah, well, so that's a good reminder, folks. If you want to go hang out with Guy and Michael, um, get your reservations in early. Start looking at 24. Well, you know what they say. There's a I I I, I buy a lot of uh, a lot of uh, some limited edition vinyl recordings, and the guy who owns the company says, "Man, my friends call me and I say, can I get a copy of this?'" And, well, we only made two thousand copies of. You know, buy now or, or, or cry later. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe at some point uh, I can create an, an AI robot of myself that can <laughs> there you go a clone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe guy, you we could you and I could write a book on a couple events we did in this year. We got some stories out of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, just let's go back and tell everybody how they can find your books now and when this new book will be available. And it's going to be hardcover. 
Uh, it will be hardcover. Yeah, it will oh, be the same format as the previous two. So, yeah, I mean, the ones that are out right now, you can buy directly from my website. You can buy them from rockynook.com, the publisher. You can buy them on Amazon, too. Uh, so those are those are pretty easy, easily available. Uh, and the same thing for the new one once it becomes available, which should be around December of this year. Uh, the easiest way is to just go to my website, guytal.com, and that's, that's the portal to everything that I do. Uh, I would like to maybe give people a little bit of a warning. I just went on Amazon. And I saw that one of my books, if you look at the used section, is selling for $80. And I wow. thought, well, why, why would anyone pay $80 for that? It said it classified as collectible. Uh, and so I clicked on it and it said signed by author. <laughs> so I think everybody should know if you buy a book from my website, A, you would get it at a discount off the cover price and it will be autographed by the author. <laughs> so don't fall for that. Um, well, it's a good tip. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, when it comes out, guy, would you send me about – 800 copies and you bet. Yeah, put them up on Amazon. Get rich. <laughs> you're retired in five years. Yeah. Good, you know. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, again, it's always great to have, have you here. Um, you bring a, a different aspect of, to kind of what people need to hear these days that I know there's, there's some of us that preach this stuff and, um, it's just it's good to hear it from from the source or from the guru um and i consider you the the, the you know mm-hmm. you're, you're the you're my my favorite that. as far as photography and art well, thank you, you very much Jack. and and you know i'm, I'm gonna take this opportunity yeah. i'm not gonna oh, use no. a art anymore i'm gonna get a big shirt which is expressive creativity i want to take this opportunity to jack to, to return the favor you know there's so many people doing workshops today and i know jack you and i know you have been doing this about as long as anybody else you have it so dialed and so if you're looking for a great workshop just about anywhere uh, you know jack and john i i couldn't recommend you yeah. enough and jack, i know jack and i have led workshops together uh always very very enjoyable yeah i i, I had guys telling jokes in the first hour <laughs> but not everything's good uh john and i what do we have coming up john other than uh, alaska? Just, alaska is our next one up a couple we, weeks we go, to, we go to tetons in december and and guy you know everybody goes to the tetons to get you know do the barn you know and and, and all this stuff but that's a great place to open up your your mind and and to shoot creative images in the winter Right. When there's not a lot of people around and it's quiet and you can almost hear it when it snows, you know, some, it, sometimes it, it, if it get, if it's warm and it gets cold really fast, um, the air rings out the moisture and it could be clear out blue sky and it snows coming down because it's it's the water vapor being yeah. squeezed out. But you can almost hear the ice hitting the hitting the ground and. and you know, um, we have some openings in that workshop, and that's, you know, a great place because of the light and the conditions, and it's just it's just an amazing place. I to, mean, it's one of those places and times. I mean, you, you go to an iconic location, and you don't feel the pressure to chase the icons, yeah. partly because of access and partly because the landscape is metamorphosized into – this beautiful winter scene and and all this pressure to go after these icons is gone. Yeah, and I'm sure part of it is is just the the culture and the attitude that you bring as, as worship leaders. I mean, that, those things that you're describing that that's the experience aspect, right? You you could look at a hundred pictures of Oxbow Bend and you would never know that the air does that in in, in yeah. the Tetons in the winter, right? Unless you're you're there with someone who can expose you to that experience. Yeah, it's it's an amazing, it's an amazing. We, we, like you say, we live in an amazing, amazing little uh, little blip in the universe here. Sometimes we take for granted. Well, listen, thank you, guy, for being here. Um, thank you. Maybe maybe we'll get you back toward the end of the year when the book is uh, is out. Oh, you, you bet. I'd love to. And you can you can read a us. chapter to us. How good it's doing. Yeah, we'll publish I mean, your audio book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, be, please be careful out there. I know you you have a new uh, kind of a new little way of getting around now. Just be careful and and uh, and enjoy life. That's what's important. Same to you. Thank you very much. And for those of you who have uh, 
taking part in listening to this podcast. Thank you all. Um, if you have any questions, comments, ideas, suggestions, it's wetalkphoto at gmail.com. And until next time, Mr. Peterson, I'll talk to you probably later today. And Guy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, thank guys. You guys. It's been a pleasure. All right, Thank folks, you. talk to you later. Bye-bye.